Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. You may be seated. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to the end that all that believe in Him might not perish, but have everlasting life. This is the verse that Tim Tebow so desperately wanted you to know. I don't know if you remember that. I guess it's almost 10 years ago now. I'm like really irrelevant. I guess I'm getting pretty old. But if you remember, he had the eye black and he always had the verse, John 3.16. I guess it was pretty effective because a lot of people Googled it and figured out what it meant. But you also see this at all kinds of sporting events. Somebody, that one dude is holding up a sign. It says John 3.16. He's right behind the field goal post so that the, the cameras will be right on him. And again, people are like, what is that? They check it out. This verse is also probably the most loved and well-known verse in all of Scripture. Many people just can't get enough of it. But if you were to look at any commentaries and reflections upon this verse, you're bound to hit the occasional biblical scholar who's not all that into what it's become. They'll say it's way more complicated than Tim Tebow thinks it is. Or that it's just unfair to rip it out of its context without reading the surrounding verses. Or what's more than that, we can't make one verse do too much work. And they're right. They're not wrong. They're onto something. But I wonder, doth they protest too much? Who's right? Tim Tebow or the Guild? The pushers at Union Square or the post-evangelicals? Well, let's take a look at those surrounding verses and find out. What you don't have in your reading here today is what precipitated this monologue of Jesus. There's a man by the name of Nicodemus, a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, a religious authority, if there ever was one, who comes to Jesus and he even acknowledges Jesus. He says, you are a teacher come from God. And he's giving Jesus accolades. He's he's there and he's really there to learn. But this all kind of stops uh, when Jesus tells him, you must be born from above. Nicodemus is confused. Better, he's flustered. He finds that Jesus is telling him that he has to let go of all that has defined him, all that he's built his identity upon. Essentially, all his accolades, all that everyone sees, oh, look at Nicodemus, he's a good guy. He's got to let it go and become like a newborn babe. What Jesus has said has made a demand upon him. And because he's been implicated, rather than receive this light and walk in it, he decides to continue to walk in darkness. He rejects this light. And why does he reject this light? Well, exposure is hard for any of us. I don't know about you, but when I'm exposed for who I really am, I get pretty embarrassed. I want to hide behind my, under my pillow. I, I want to get away. But what this text betrays is that exposure is especially hard for the righteous, for those who think 
they're doing the right thing, for those who think they're holy, for those of us who think that we're on the right side of history. What Jesus is saying here is that we're implicated too. We who are so used to telling others, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to get on board up with. This is how you be a good person. For us, for the righteous, we're implicated by this. We're told what you've built your identity upon, you need to let it go to receive this light. And so more often than not, rather than be exposed or be told that we're wrong or have to do something new or change our ways, we go right back to the status quo. Right back to what we were doing. Because I'm okay, you're okay, we were actually doing the right thing all along. And this is what Jesus says in verse 19 of our verse here, of our passage here today. That people loved darkness, not light, so that their deeds might not be exposed. And maybe you're here this morning and you see a little bit of Nicodemus in you. Maybe you've been confronted and convicted by something or someone in your life and it completely flustered you. And it would be just too costly to let it sink in. Again, it might damage everything you've built your life upon. It might question all of your identity. It might cause you to think all those things that I know for certain, maybe I don't. We don't like the idea of becoming like a newborn babe. And so we turn from the light and instead we walk in darkness. So point one for the anti-Tim Tebow crowd. This verse is not easy. In fact, it's very demanding. It's Sermon on the Mount-like demanding. It's a hard passage, and if you read John, John is pretty intense. John talks about belief and unbelief, condemnation, salvation, light, darkness, evil, and the truth. He speaks in dichotomies throughout the gospel. But lest we think he's overly simplistic, we've got to keep on reading the narrative to realize that John here is actually quite sophisticated and doing an inversion that essentially still to this day flusters us, messes with us. And we get a hint of the good news that we'll see in John 3.16 one chapter from now. For one chapter from now, we'll meet a Samaritan woman. I'm sorry, ladies, but in the ancient world, not only could women not vote, but were not even really viewed as human beings. It's, it was problematic, but I was just in the air at this time. But this, so she's a woman, she's a Samaritan, which is a member of a essentially despised group of people, and she's a sinner. The text says that she's had five husbands and is on a sixth. But Jesus offers her the light as well. And unlike righteous, teacher of the law, Pharisee, holy Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman receives this light. And she is elevated. She walks out of darkness and into light. 
And while we love that story, we love that inversion, we love when the sinners make it and the righteous people don't, I think that if we're honestly honest with ourselves, this is hard for you and me too. If all that has defined you, all that you've built your identity upon, all that you think you know for sure is being questioned, will you just submit and become like a newborn babe? I'm going to speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for you. I I would have serious qualms. I'm sure I'd be just like Nicodemus. And the interesting thing is that the Samaritan woman who is viewed as an outcast, the sinner, who essentially had nothing to lose, is the true righteous one in John. You see the inversion that he does. You see, despite the fact that we think of John as simplistic, he's actually quite profound. But if you find yourself on the side of the Nicodemuses of the world, and you're in despair now because you know, well, I'm just not going to capitulate or not going to receive this light, there's good news for you too. And that good news is that if you follow along in the story, we see Nicodemus again. We see him a couple chapters later when he's still in the dark, but he is defending Jesus to his other Pharisees. And then we see him after the cross, when in the pure light of day, you see that? He stepped out of the darkness and into the light. He, with Joseph of Arimathea, takes Jesus' body and puts it in the tomb. A public witness that I'm on board with this guy. That I have let go of all those things I grasped at and couldn't let go that kept me from the light. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son What this verse means is that despite everything, despite all that keeps you from the love of God, despite our sin, despite our self-righteousness, despite our identities at times that keep us from seeing the light, God loved us and God sent his son to come and die for us. The good news of the gospel is that the cross is the medicine of the world. You and I are in need. We are not self-sufficient. Self-sufficient people don't think they need that medicine, and so they reject it. But if we, like the Samaritan woman, can acknowledge our need, if we're done with being so concerned with telling other people how to live and what's what, and can receive it for ourselves, then friends, let's take that medicine. The cross is the medicine of the world. So take and eat and be healed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.